So Money Episode 481, Rick Edelman, author of Rescue Your Money. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. Just weeks now till the election, and many of us are feeling very insecure about the years ahead and what that's going to mean for our portfolio, our money. Are you confident with your investment strategy? Do you wish you knew more about how to invest? I've got a guest today that's going to help us because he is an expert on investing, among other financial issues. New York Times bestselling author of Rescue Your Money, How to Invest Your Money During These Tumultuous Times, Rick Edelman is here today. Now, the book was originally published in 2009 because, as many of us remember very vividly, that was right around the time of the financial crisis, and we had a lot of uncertainty back then, and he's updated it to reflect today's economy, given the looming election, terrorism, uncertainties in the economy. So Rick has been on the show with me before, as some of you may know, back in the early days of So Money, episode 52. And on that show, we got to learn more about him, his philosophy, you know, his failures, his successes. But this episode's more about what we can do now to protect our money. A little bit more about Rick. He's the founder and executive chairman of Edelman Financial Services. He's been ranked the number one independent financial advisor by Barron's three times. And he has eight other books, and he's sold over one million copies collectively. Here is Rick Edelman. Rick Edelman, welcome back to So Money. Nice to hear your voice again. You too, Farnoosh. Always good to be with you. So since we've spoken, you've come out with a new book. It's called Rescue Your Money. It's a very timely book. I think a lot of us are feeling uncertain given the looming election and uh, Brexit. And there's so much, uh, so much to be hashed out. Do you find that your clients are coming to you more and more now with worries, fears, uncertainties? Well, you know, it's interesting. I originally wrote this book back in 2009 because of the credit crisis of 08. Talk about the fear and panic of that era. We all remember that so well. And I discovered that we're having many of the same anxieties today. The, the situation's totally different than it was in 08, but the Fear and panic and anxiety, confusion, downright anger uh, is palpable today like it was then. And, and I realized that people really enjoy my book, Rescue Your Money, but the data had become a little bit old because I wrote that book seven or eight years ago. So I wanted to revise the entire book, bringing it up to date with the latest statistics, information, content, so that it's as valid and as applicable today as it was back in 09. And so, yeah, that was my motivation for Noosh was to get this book into people's hands because there's a lot of anxiety going on uh, around uh, this country and people really need the message that this book offers. Is the advice the same in the sense that the advice is always, it seems, that when there are tumultuous times and volatility in the market, that the, the response should not be to, 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 to move instinctively and, and abandon your investments and withdraw from the stock market, that it's really about staying the course. 
You're exactly right. Uh, everything I wrote in the book in 08 and 09 remains valid today. I just needed to update the statistics and data to demonstrate that because mm. the data only went through a nine. I needed to bring it forward all the way to 2015. And you're exactly right. People keep making the same mistakes over and over and they keep wondering how come they're not getting rich. It's because they're doing the same dumb things that are preventing them from getting rich in the first place. They keep doing it over and over again. And we need to resist the emotional tendencies of making bad investment and financial decisions. It, it, it's understandable why people do it. We are creatures of emotion. We are human. Um, but unfortunately, that's not how the financial markets want you to behave. If you want to achieve financial success, you've got to separate your emotions from what you know intellectually is the th right thing to do. How do you do that? There have been books on this as well. I've tried I've, I've written my own version of it, Psych Yourself Rich. And there is a lot more rhetoric now around how to, like you say, separate your intellectual brain from your emotional state. But how do you actually do it? I think that um, it is possible to learn. And that's where it begins. Your book on the subject, I've written extensively as well about behavioral finance and neuroeconomics. It begins with that notion of education. Most people don't realize that they're making emotional decision making. They also don't realize that our our brains are designed to trick us into making bad financial decisions. It's because of the evolutionary process. What protected us from lions on the safari uh, in the savanna of Africa is what has been ingrained into our brains. And unfortunately, that fight or flight approach works against us in the world of financial decision making. So we have to recognize, number one, through education, why do our brains do this, both physiologically and psychologically? And once we have that knowledge, now we can take a step back and recognize, oh, I'm feeling this way, whether it's fear or greed, I'm feeling this way. And now I can intellectually understand that. And that can go very far to helping people break that pattern that they previously had followed. Since you published the book first in 2009 to today, what are we doing better? Have we made improvements and strides in some regards? We have. Uh, and that's the really good news. That's the silver lining in this whole thing. Uh, people who went through 2009 had an experience that was unique in their lifetime. They saw the stock market fall 65% over a year and a half. That was a far greater decline than they had ever experienced over a far longer period than they had ever experienced because they weren't around in the 1930s. Uh, most of us weren't alive back then, and the few of us who were, are they were children at that time. So they really didn't fully appreciate the impact of the economic environment of the, of the Great Depression. And so for the, the 2008-2009 credit crisis, it was truly new and different for everybody. And everybody was so scared that the prices were going to continue falling all the way to zero that it caused an incredible level of panic that forced people emotionally to sell their investments because they simply couldn't take it anymore and they were afraid to continue watching their life savings dwindle down and down and down. Well, we got past the away credit crisis. Today, the stock market's at an all-time high. We are now three times higher in value almost than the lows of March 9 of 2009. And people have learned that lesson and they realize, you know, golly gee, it does work out in the end as it always has throughout recorded history. Markets collapse. They always recover. We don't know how long it'll take to recover. We don't know how big the recovery will be, but it always gets better after the storm. And so when we enter the next 
problem, people are less likely to panic because they say, oh, I've seen this before, and they're using the benefit of their experience. I wish people wouldn't rely on their personal experience. I would prefer that they rely on world experience. If you had gone back to the crash of 87 or the crash of 29 or the panic of 1870 or uh, all of those that have occurred throughout history, all the way back to the tulip craze of 1636. <laughs> tulip craze. Um it's one of my favorite examples <laughs> of behavioral nonsense. Um, if people would learn from other people's mistakes, you can learn faster, you can learn easier, and you can learn with less personal pain. Right. Another piece of advice maybe along those lines is that when the sky is falling, that that's when you should be buying. That's actually a good time to buy low and then later maybe sell high. Exactly right. And that's the fundamental theme in the book is, you know, it's titled How to Invest During These Tumultuous Times. And that's what I'm trying to convey in my book, Rescue Your Money, is to demonstrate you need to exploit periods of unrest and uncertainty rather than becoming a victim of it and doing what the masses do, which is selling in a panic. Look at Brexit. Everybody was in a tizzy when the yeah. British voted to leave the European Union and the stock market fell for the next two days, creating a lot of panic among U.S. investors. Well, that was an opportunity to exploit that opportunity. For the moment, stock prices went on sale. What a great buying opportunity. And that's what smart investors took advantage of. Let's talk about people who are approaching retirement, many Americans who feel financially insecure, unprepared for retirement. What's your advice? You know, is it just delay retirement, continue working, or is there a way to actually play savings catch up? All the above. Um, so yes, you need to take advantage of catch up. And in fact, the government makes it easier for you. You can contribute more to your IRA and your retirement plan at work than people younger than you are able to do. So you can literally catch up by adding more to your savings. You need to reduce as expenses as much as you can now to free up as much cash as possible that you can use to save and invest. And you need to do two other things that most people tend to ignore. Number one is to make sure that your money is invested in a way that gives you the best potential for earning the returns offered by the financial markets. If you're going to throw all of your hard-earned savings into bank accounts where it's earning zero point nothing in today's environment, I don't care how hard you work. I don't care how much money you save. You're never going to be able to accumulate enough wealth. You've got to have your pennies earning pennies. It's not enough that you save pennies. You have to get the pennies earning pennies through compound interest, compound growth. And that means you've got to Invest where you have the potential to earn six, seven, eight, nine percent per year. Earning zero or one or two percent a year isn't going to cut it. The second thing you need to do is look for innovative, unique ways that you can earn more money than you were. And that's never been easier thanks to exponential technologies and the internet. You can do all kinds of things to make money on the side in your part-time. Everything from renting a room in your house through uh, Airbnb to driving your car to make money on Uber to engaging in a wide variety of business activities that the uh, websites, tens of thousands of them on the internet will help you do where you can make money loaning your lawnmower and power tools to neighbors where you can uh, buy returned goods from retailers and resell them on eBay. Uh, the, the, the list is virtually endless and you can take some of your downtime as you wish to generate a few extra hundred bucks a month, which is for many people a huge amount of money to make a big difference in their ability to save for the future. We love that concept on the show. When you can't save more, you got to earn more. 
And like you said, there are so many innovations now. It's easy to engage in a job and sometimes not even have to leave your house to do it. So that's beautiful. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Speaking of innovation, your practice has been, you built it on this concept of giving people the best advice one-on-one. And now there are a lot of technologies out there that promise the same results, but with less overhead and lower fees. I'm talking about these robo-advisors. What's your take on that? Where do they fit into the mold? There is a place for robo-advisors. There always has been. Uh, We used to call them no-load funds. Uh, Vanguard, the biggest no-load fund company on the planet with very inexpensive, vert, almost free uh, investments available to consumers. So there is a place for these kinds of things. Now they're, they've been transferred to the internet. You've got a bunch of robo-advisors uh, providing you investment services online where you type in a bunch of information, uh, you answer a bunch of questions, and they give you a portfolio designed to reflect your objectives and your risk tolerance. I have one as well. I created one of the first robo-advisors called Edelman Online, and we allow people to access all of our investment management services with no human intervention. And there are lots of sites, probably 50 or 60 of them at last count, that do this kind of thing. But there's a big issue that most people are not aware of. These sites only do one thing and they only do it in one way. The one thing they do is provide investment advice. They'll tell you, based on the answers to the questions you provide, what your asset allocation should look like, what investments should you own and in what mix, what percentage in stocks and what percentage in bonds and so on. And they will provide investments, ETFs usually, uh, low-cost mutual funds sometimes to implement that advice. But that's all that they're doing. What they're not doing is giving you any advice other than just that. So if you have a question about your mortgage, they can't help. You need advice with insurance or taxes or real estate or your employee benefits at work or your will and trust or intergenerational family issues, credit and debt, personal privacy. They can't help you with that. So they only do one thing. And that's one of the reasons that they do it inexpensively because you're getting a stripped down bare bones level of advice and services. The other issue, which I really have a problem with, and even my online site is guilty of this, when they construct a portfolio for you, that portfolio is what we call a risk-based model. In other words, we ask you risk questions. How do you feel about volatility? How much risk are you willing to take? How long will the money be invested and so on? And we give you a portfolio based on your answers to your attitude about risk. 
But that we learned as a financial planning firm is not the ideal way to help clients. The ideal way is to help clients achieve goals. If you were trying to achieve goals, meaning when do you want to retire and how much money do you need at that time? When will you send your children to college? How much will college cost? When you would attack the question from a goals-based perspective, you get a better answer than a risk based perspective. Mm-hmm. And all these online services don't none of them deal with goals. They well, only deal one, with risks. There is one. They're in yeah. it's new. It's uh it's called Elvest. And it's Sally Krawcheck's platform for women. And I think that's how she is differentiating. She's saying we don't ask we of course I think risk is a part of it. It's it naturally has to be, but they but they really put the goals front and center. And so they allow you to save and invest for various goals that have different timelines that, like you say, will cost different things in the future. And that, so it's a little bit more realistic. And I think she found that for women, that that really resonates more. Because uh, when you ask women about risk tolerance, you know, they can answer it, but they're more, it's like more exciting to talk about your goals. And much more exciting and it's much more important. And the real key is to correlate it all uh, in a comprehensive way so that the investment decision you're making for, say, your kid's college isn't in conflict or interfering with your goals for your own retirement. So uh, I'm glad to hear that there's finally a site that's, that's being developed that focuses on it from a financial planning perspective because that's the next step in the mm-hmm. technology of where it's going to take us. Uh, and so uh, our attitude is real simple. If you don't feel that that you need the personal relationship of an advisor, the, the broad-based services of an advisor, and you have a rather narrow situation with a very specific question, then you can turn to these online services. Simply recognize you're kind of getting what you pay for. They're charging you a lot less, but it's because they're delivering a lot less. And right. as long as you understand that, there's no problem with using them. Right. You're paying for what you get for. You right. get what you pay for. Exactly. And um, also in the book, you you talk about how it's important to really find the right balance of looking at your portfolio or your investments enough, but not not too much where to the point where it starts to overwhelm you because we either do it too much or we do it too little. So what's the sweet spot when it comes to really having a healthy relationship with your investments? Well, if it bothers you to look at the values don't look. You know, if you're an alcoholic, don't go into a bar. If you're a compulsive shopper, don't go into the mall. I mean, don't do things that are putting yourself in a position to have bad outcomes. So if you're the kind of person who whenever they look at their account statement and they see that it's down, they they get upset and want to sell, or they see that it's up and they get excited and want to buy, you should simply never look at your account statement. It's really that simple, which is kind of crazy advice because in this, these days of personal privacy protection, we do want you to pay attention to your account and make sure that everything is going correctly and, and okay in this world of rampant fraud. So uh, you might want to rely, if you can't gauge yourself and control your own emotional reaction to what you're seeing at the moment, then you would be a candidate for hiring a financial advisor whose job predominantly is to simply hold your hand, to be on the lookout of your account for you and to help give you context whenever you see the account value particularly high or particularly low from one month to the next. There's going to be more volatility in the market this year. I I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we can safely predict that it's not going to be smooth sailing until the end of the year. There's likely going to be days where we want to um, pull our hair out. 
Is there any advice other than just don't do anything? Should there be some things we should be doing? Not say pull your money out of the stock market, but when we have big dips, what's a, what are some good healthy practices on that day or during that week? First, I agree with you, Farnoosh. I think with the elections, uh, we're going to see a lot of anxiety. Uh, the, the, at the moment, everybody seems to feel that they either hate both candidates or if they like one of the candidates, they're convinced their candidate will lose. <laughs> so nobody seems to be terribly happy. And that will probably translate into market volatility uh, as people are convinced that the wrong person winning is going to destroy the stock market. So I think you're right. I think we will see volatility. The message, though, is that that's really exciting news for smart investors. Volatility creates opportunity because we know that volatility is just an, a, a short-term reduction in market price, which creates a price being on sale. It's a stock going on sale. So there is something you can do. Well, earlier we said, yeah, just sit, wait it out, don't, don't do anything because of it. But there is one healthy thing you can do, and it's called rebalancing. If you Let's make a simple example. Let's say you have two assets equally owned 50-50. If one of them suddenly falls in value, you're now 60-40 because one has fallen less than the other one. Well, that's an opportunity to rebalance. You sell some of the 60 to buy some of the 40, bringing it back to Mm 50-50. In other words, you're selling one asset that's made money or higher in value to purchase another asset that at the moment is temporarily low in value. This is called Buying low, selling high. The exact opposite of the nonsense people engage in. I joke about it in my book. Most people – Sell high, buy low, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. So rebalancing can really help you capitalize on short-term volatility that I agree with you is likely to occur between now and the end of the year. At your firm, is there some predicting going on as far as what the election year and also 2017 holds for us? Uh, What do your projection models say? Uh, I'll take it a little beyond 17 and cover the entire next four-year term of the next president. Uh, we have done ex- substantial levels of research. I, in fact, talk about it in my prior book, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, that all the way back to 1945. And we have found that whoever is president, whichever party is in the White House, is largely irrelevant. Uh, presidents have a remarkably narrow impact on the financial markets. Uh, they have an incredible amount of power and influence in an awful lot of areas, but not when it comes to making stock prices go one way versus the other. And more to the point, regardless of who's in power, and not just talking about the White House, but also both houses of Congress, there are only eight combinations of Democrats and Republicans in control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. And when you look at all eight combinations since 1945, you discover that it really doesn't matter all that much, that the stock markets do well regardless of who's in power. Uh, The history also tells us that generally a Democrat in the White House does better than a Republican in the White House, but both do sufficiently good that you won't really be upset no matter who wins from an investment perspective. Hmm. I did read something today, though, that and I don't remember the I don't remember the point of the story, but it was something along the lines of that leading up to an election, depending on where the stock market sways, if we have an up market, a bear market or a bull market, that that usually means one particular party or another. Um, have you heard about that? That that even before we have a president, we can usually tell what the party if uh, the, the party winner will be based on the um, whether it's a bull or bear market. 
There are lots of singular uh, indicators along those lines. They're often difficult to rely on because circumstances vary. One thing that's unique about this election is that this election is occurring in the seventh year of a bull market. That's never happened before. Mm. And so will the next president be blamed for ruining the bull market <laughs> or will they be given credit for extending it? Um, and is and our attitude is the whoever is elected president will not have any significant impact long term on this outcome. But we are very comfortable that four years from now, eight years from now, 12 years from now, prices will be higher than they are today. Right. And that's what really matters. But at the same time, no, the president, whoever becomes president, won't be the one who determines the direction of the market. Uh, but the media will make it seem like there's a correlation. And of course, yes. the politicians will make it seem like there's a correlation. How do uh, how do investors, individual investors, sift through all the noise on, online and on television and, and make educated decisions? Like, who can we trust? Should we just stop watching CNBC? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, or, or watch it for its entertainment value and its current event value, but don't make investment decisions based on it. You use the word correctly, Farnoosh, which I never hear anybody saying, so good for you. You called it noise. And that's exactly what it is. In other words, it's not information. It's not advice. It's noise. It is simply verbal styrofoam. Uh, it is not something that is designed for you to take action on because whatever noise they're giving you today is going to be different from the noise they give you tomorrow. And so whatever you do today, you just have to do something different tomorrow. And that's the crazy nonsense that the media never really explains to you. Let's also remember that members of the media, and I used to be one before I became an advisor in my prior life, I was in the media. Uh, and I still do that with my radio and TV shows and all my books. So I'm still kind of a media person like you are. Um, there's a difference between prediction and education. All the experts agree on everything from an educational perspective. For example, I know you're going to agree with this following statement. When interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Mm -hmm. Right? You agree right. with that? Right. Because it's a fact. Every expert agrees. When interest rates go up, bond prices go down. That's education. Predictions are different. Predictions are where one expert predicts whether interest rates are going to go up or going to go down, and that's where the experts end up disagreeing because nobody knows for sure. It's like predicting the winner of the next football game or the winner of the next election or whether it's going to rain next week. Nobody knows, and therefore everybody gets to act like an expert. That's noise. Mm -hmm. So what you need to do is throw away the noise and focus on the facts. Focus on knowledge and education, and once you know how – bond prices react to interest rates, you can decide for yourself what bond prices are going to do next. You don't need an expert to help you. Anybody can do that. Yeah, but you know, 24-hour cable news, you got to fill it up with something. And, you have you absolutely do, and that's why they fill it up with lots of noise. Right. I remember a good friend of mine who was a, a journalist uh, in the financial trade press uh, once said to me that there are only 10 or 12 legitimate stories in personal finance. The problem is he has a weekly column. <laughs> so he's forced to write even when there's nothing to write about. And and it's just the game that everybody has to play. And so consumers need to recognize this. These people are journalists by training. They're not financial experts. And they're often saying what other people are telling them. That's what journalists do. We write down, we quote other people's comments. Whether that comment is right or wrong, good or bad, dumb or smart, we 
write it down. We report on it, and that produces a reaction from somebody else. You get trending going on, and now in the world of Twitter, anybody can say anything whenever they want. Right. Uh, so it's noise, and you can use it for entertainment. You can use it for current events. You can use it for fabulous chit-chat at cocktail parties and dinner parties. But please don't base your life's financial future mm-hmm. on today's tweet. It's very cyclical, everything. And I wonder if Rescue Your Money will be making a comeback in like 2020. Could be. (laughs) You probably Uh, figured, you probably planned that one out. Uh, you know, I probably will have to revise it yet again. Oh. My first book, The Truth About Money, I've now revised four times. Uh, so I may have to revise it yet again. But for now, I can assure you the book is fully updated. It's current to today. The advice it's offering you right now is the advice that you really need. Rick Edelman, thank you so much. The title again is Rescue Your Money, How to Invest Your Money During These Tumultuous Times. Thanks so much for joining us again. My pleasure, Finoush. Thank you. Thanks again to Rick Edelman. His website is edelmanfinancial.com. He's also on Twitter at R-I-C Edelman. If you missed any of this, the transcript, the audio, comments are at somoneypodcast.com. Would love for you to stop by. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh and leave me your biggest, baddest money question for my Friday episodes. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money.